you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up? What's up? What's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode number 82 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. Holy guacamole. Was that a frustrating basketball game? Oh me, oh my. Wow. That was borderline. Like, it wasn't annoying. It wasn't frustrating. It wasn't panic attack worry you know type game it it wasn't like a stroke type of game it was just like a migraine that whole game was like a migraine it was just yeah it was just it just sucked it was just so frustrating but the boston celtics won and a w is a w the celtics win 102 to 8, uh, 94 yeah 102 to 94 they win by 8 thank thankfully they had that 10-0 run with about 2 minutes to go because if not, the Celtics easily could be down two to or could be up two to one in this series. But they're not. They're up three games, two zero against the Philadelphia 76ers in round one of the best of seven series. So right away you knew that the game was going to be a lot different. I mean the Philadelphia 76ers started with some very intense and aggressive defensive pressure, and the Celtics figured that out early. They got a nice backdoor cut. Embiid was playing up versus sagging, which was obviously different. The 76ers, you know, but it was weird because the 76ers didn't hustle back right away either for a couple plays. So it was like, so they're just going to spend all their energy on defense because if that's the case, you're all for it. But one of the things that really frustrated me right away, and I don't know if if the Celtics do move on to the next round, are the Toronto Raptors going to try and copy what the 76ers did with Joel Embiid sagging into the paint defensively with Marc Gasol? Because Daniel Tice needs to figure out if he is going to shoot three-pointers or not. He really and truly does. And I understand Daniel Tice is an absolute mental case right now because, in his opinion, if he breathes on someone, he gets a foul call. Now, I would say maybe four out of ten whistles on Daniel Tice are legit calls. The Josh Richardson blocked goaltending layup and then the and one, that was a load of crap. And I, and I legitimately feel bad for Daniel Tice. But overall, Daniel Tice needs to get over that. Get over that hump. And he needs to figure out if he's that wide open at the top of the key. I have no problem with Daniel Tice taking three or four of those a game. Now, I'm not asking him to take ten. I'm just asking him to not get the ball at the excuse me, not get the ball at the top of the key and go, uh, uh, well, mm, eh, mm, eh, mm, eh, maybe, possibly. Okay, someone get the ball for a handoff. I that that I can't deal with. And the other thing that I can't deal with is Jason Tatum getting three fouls in the first quarter. No way, Jose. No way. He has to be aware of when and when not to go after the ball. The second foul that was called on Jason Tatum was all Jason Tatum's fault. He didn't have to go and try and steal that ball. Just put your arms straight up, and if he scores, he scores. It's too early in the game 
to try and be super aggressive on defense because it's just a layup. You can make it back. But it was because if not, and you follow him, and it's Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid's a very good free throw shooter, as we've all seen throughout, the, throughout this entire series. And if you even just watch the NBA outside of the Celtics, you know that Joel Embiid is a reasonable free throw shooter. So whether he goes in for a layup and you don't defend it properly early in the first quarter or you follow him, literally ruin the rotations of your team for the entire second quarter because you didn't play in the second quarter because you had three idiot fouls. It, it just affects everything. And he's been in the league for three years, and he needs to be more aware of those type of situations. And he needs to know, hey, if I block this shot, I know it's nature of habit. If you, if you think you can block a shot, you go after it. I get it. But he needs to be like, okay, it's not the end of the world because you need him now without Gordon Hayward more than ever. You really do. And because of that, Jalen Brown had to play 20 minutes in the first half. That is not normal and not okay. And I understand that these guys are going to have to get used to it. They're going to have to play a lot of minutes against the Raptors because the Raptors bench is very, very deep if they move on. Again, I like Brad Stevens said yesterday after the game in the press conference, three games mean nothing. You have to win one more. So if they do move on, you're going to have to play more minutes, but just not because you have three fouls, because you need to be out there. So Jalen Brown playing over 20 minutes, and it completely messed up the rotations. And speaking of things that are messing me up, I would do anything for Jason Tatum. He's a dookie. We all know I'm a dookie. I'm all, I'm all for Jason Tatum. Probably one of my favorite Celtics draft picks of all time. He has to stop bitching about every call. Oh my God, I'm getting so sick of it. I understand he believes he's a superstar. I believe that we all think that he's a superstar. But as of right now, he's not getting foul calls. And that's okay. But he has to stop bitching and moaning about every single call. It's so fucking annoying. It's so annoying. Like, he lost his dribble in the first quarter. Or what? Was it the first quarter or the third quarter? Which way were they shooting at the end of the game? The fourth. It might have been the first quarter where he dribbled the ball and Josh Richardson made a good defensive play and Jason Tatum lost his dribble. And the ball got on the floor and Jason Tatum threw his arms up, looked over at the ref instead of going over and getting the ball and diving on the floor. Ridiculous. Shut up. Just play the game. Just play the game. Because, like, especially in game four, if you win, you move on. Who cares about the refs? Just go out there, play your game, and win, move on, and then you can go back to your hotel room and bitch and moan to Deuce, to your mother, whoever it is. You can bitch and say, hey, you know what? It's okay. We won. It's okay that the refs sucked in this game. All right? He has to stop complaining. He's going to get a T, and it's going to cost him a game. I promise you it will. So Jason Tatum. Keep doing you. Just stop bitching about the refs, for the love of God. All right. So one of the things that I really enjoyed about this game was some guy by the name of Kemba Walker. He hit a three early off of off of a pick and roll, and that has to be more consistent overall. I think we can all agree. But it looked the best that it has looked ever since it got in the bubble. When, like, my whole thing is Kemba had a great game. You know, he scored over 22 points. He led the team in rebounds. You know, him and Marcus Smart had 16 rebounds out of the team's 40, which is just, it shouldn't happen but from two guards. But, hey, we'll take it. 
when I, I think eventually, if the Celtics can go deep, Kemba has never won a playoff series. So if Kemba can move on to the second round, when are we going to see just that random all-star performance where Kemba drops 40? That's what I wanted to see. And when I saw that high pick and roll three-point ball go in last night, I was like, oh, we're going to get 40 out of Kemba tonight. I know we're going to do it. I know we're going to do it. But a couple things that Kemba did during this game that were absolutely fantastic. Number one, his hustle. Number two, his defense. And number three, he went on an 8-0 run by himself in the third quarter, and it was delightful. So let's break that down real quick. Kemba's defense was awesome. He got through screens. He was fighting through screens. He was good with switches. If he knew he couldn't get through the screens, he was contesting shots, making sure he didn't go under too much to leave open shooters like Josh Richardson. And what was crazy about Josh Richardson in this game is like he hit some big three-pointers in the first half. I think he was like 2 of 10 in the first half, and he only hit six points. I could have sworn he had like 15 points. But maybe just those three-pointers were so big. But obviously him shooting 2 of 10 is what I was expecting and hoping uh, I think, what, what did he do overall in the game? I, I, overall, I think he shot a really poor percentage. Uh, overall, he shot 5 of 17. Like That's what I was expecting. And then Tobias Harris, again, another 6 of 19 performance, which means he's, what, a le- like 17 out of 49 in this series? Like, oof, he was 0 of 5 from 3. But the thing is, Tobias Harris had 15 rebounds, and I pretty sure 10 of them were offensive rebounds and we'll get to that in a little bit but Kemba's defense was fantastic his hustle was unbelievable he's running up and down the floor like an absolute maniac but the thing that really impressed me the most was the fact that he went on an 8-0 run by himself in the third quarter to help expand the Celtics lead to seven so he hit a three-pointer and then he got a layup and then he got an and one and it was just fantastic stuff and the reason why some of those things happened was because of Marcus Smart Marcus Smart was doing Marcus Smart things last night. Great defense, good flops, tough shots made, and then easy shots missed. It was the most obvious Marcus Smart game of all time. You Obviously, the first thing you want to look at is that steal that he had where it literally looked like he was going for an interception. He It was a cross-court pass. He got an interception, threw it up to Kemba. Kemba threw it up to JT, and then that was that. And that basically kind of squished the game for them. But... Overall, Marcus Smart shooting 4 of 8, 14 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, was a plus 9. That's the type of game you want from Marcus Smart. He 6 of 6 from the free throw line. He made a ridiculous and one shot. I swear to God, he was like sitting down and just threw it up in the air and it went in. But hey, those are Marcus Smart shots because all three of his three-pointers were wide open and he missed them all. So that was the type of game you want from Marcus Smart. Not taking too many shots. Helping the team in every single aspect of the game possible, especially defensively. He made so many key steals, and I he is the greatest, most frustrating player of all time. Because that and one that he made over Joel Embiid, that shot is something that like as a kid, you like kind of jokingly like fall into your bed and just throw your right hand up in the air and you're like, Oh, my imaginary basketball went into the hoop and one. Count it, ref, and then you go to sleep. Or at least that's what I did. Maybe I'm just a weirdo. But the wide-open threes, he's eventually going to have to make these. I believe Marcus Smart is 1 of 13 or 1 of 14 in all the three-point attempts that he has taken over the last two or three games. 1 of 14 or 1 of 13. Either way, that sucks. They're eventually going to have to fall. And if they have to fall in the next round against your toughest competition, if you get there, then I'm all for it. 
But that defensive intensity and the the winning plays that Marcus Smarks makes is it really makes up for the frustrating shooting that he gives you. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. One thing that I didn't love in this game that I'm looking at my notes was this, how the 76ers didn't put um, – I'm sorry, how the Celtics didn't put the 76ers away midway through that second quarter. The Celtics went on an 11-3 run, and it was – you were like, okay, 11-3 run. You expand the lead a little bit. Here we go. And then the seven – you know, you could see that the 76ers got out of position on defense. Um they literally just stopped doing everything that they were doing well. Like, they stopped rebounding the ball well. It's almost like they forgot what they were doing out there, but they s- still somehow crept back into this game, and I thought that was very, very disappointing. And I think one of the reasons why it was a little disappointing was because the Celtics went on this 11-3 run without Jason Tatum on the floor, and then Brad Stevens threw out some of the craziest lineups I've ever seen. Like, he was just like... Closing is he's meeny, meeny, miny, mo. Yep, you, yep, you. We'll do you. He can stay out there. Go ahead, make it work. And like at one point, there was smart Kemba and Wanamaker out there. Like he was the Oklahoma City Thunder with Schroeder, SGA, and uh, Chris Paul. Like three point guards out there. Like that was a little bizarre, but you know, it didn't work. But the thing is, is that the fact that Jason Tatum didn't play in the second quarter and the 76ers couldn't get a lead and the. Celtics couldn't expand their lead. I think that, I don't know if that will be talked about a lot, but to me, I thought that was huge for the Celtics to go up two at the end of the first quarter. The second quarter was 25 to 25, and they were up two at halftime. That should not happen when technically the Celtics' best player on the floor did not play for 12. I don't think Tatum played for like 15 or 16 minutes. Not like normal time, but like time on the clock on at the... What an idiot. Not like normal time, but like time on the clock. Time on the game clock is what I meant to say. So I thought that was very interesting and very important because the 76ers should have absolutely destroyed the Celtics in that second quarter, but they didn't. Kemba played great. Smart played well. Wanamaker at times did some good things. Wanamaker passed on a fast break. You know, the the funny thing about Brad Wanamaker and why I kind of love him so much is like he makes every single play look so terrible, but somehow he gets to the free throw line. It works in some weird, weird, crazy way. So going into the second half of this game, uh, Joel Embiid went out with four fouls with about seven minutes to go in the third, and the Celtics were up seven at that time. So you're saying to yourself, okay, they got this. This is going to be A-OK, but not really. And I thought that was very, very frustrating. The Celtics tied up the game. um, I'm sorry, the 76ers tied up the game, and then the Celtics extended the lead to four by the end of the third period. But like, just like I just said with the 76ers, when Joel Embiid gets, goes out of the game and you have a seven-point lead late in the third quarter and you're up two games to zero on a team that's just dying for you to just kind of implode yourself so they can get a win, that is where you need to destroy them. Their best play, like, you you could say, oh, hey, Jason Tatum wasn't out on the floor. They have Kemba. They have Jalen. You can say that about the Celtics. You cannot say that about the 76ers. Tobias Harris sucked. Josh Richardson sucked. Shake Milton, again, bravo. He's a nice little rookie. But, like, Al Horford couldn't do anything. I mean, Al Horford got excited because I think he blocked a Kemba Walker shot with, like, two, like, with a second left on the shot clock and then, like, wiped his hands in the air. Like, oh, no, you know, none of that here. Like, what are you talking about, dude? And we'll talk about 
how that kind of bit him in the ass in a second. But the Celtics, like if if the Celtics make it into the next round and Pascal Siakam's out not on the floor, or Kyle Lowry's not on the floor, you have to absolutely destroy them. And I thought that was the most frustrating part about the game. Like they were so lucky that the 76ers didn't destroy them in the second quarter without Tatum on the floor. But without Embiid, you should kill this team. You should destroy them. You should blow them out of the water. You should literally have them going into the fourth quarter going, what is the point of this? Get me out of the bubble. Get me home. And they didn't do it. And they didn't do it. And one of the reasons why they didn't do it was because Ennis Cantor was out on the floor. And they realized, hey, you know who's a terrible defender with the pick and roll? Oh, Ennis Cantor. Yeah, let's do him. And that's all that they did. They just ran pick and rolls. Shake Milton drove right by him. Alec Burke or Burks, whatever his name is. Drove right by him too, but Ennis Cantor cannot defend the pick and roll. He, it is unbelievable how bad he is. Like guards, athletic wings, they just blow right by him. Like I don't know. Like so, he's wearing a pair of Jordans. What are they? The thirteens? Yeah, he's wearing a pair of thirteens. Are those twelves? I'm having a brain fart trying to look at them right now. But either way, the twelves or the thirteens are a very heavy pair of sneakers. They, they really are. They're not easy. And when you have already heavy feet, like Ennis Cantor, maybe you should find a lighter pair of sneakers, to be honest with you. It's, it's ridiculous. And the other thing that was ridiculous, the rebounding. Oh, my God in heaven. The Celtics sucked rebounding the basketball last night. They were horrendous. They allowed so many second-chance points. And to be honest with you, if the 76ers could have hit an open shot, that game would have been a blowout. The 76ers missed so many second chance shots. Unbelievable, like wide open ones. Thank God. Thank God. Because at the end of the third quarter, the Philadelphia 76ers had 16 offensive rebounds and 16 second chance points. So even if they get two points out of, let's say, 12 out of those 16 offensive rebounds, that's 24 points. That's eight more points. And what do you know? The Celtics only won by eight. Huge. They just absolutely destroyed them on the offensive glass. The Celtics, like, didn't, I don't want to say they didn't give a damn about rebounding because it's tough to say that about a Brad Stevens team with Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker on it. But it's like they didn't, like, they didn't care about rebounding. It, it, was, it was absolutely insane. But with six minutes to go left in this basketball game, I was thinking to myself, okay, you've been way too kind to the 76ers because your effort has been meh at best. Your play overall has been meh at best. If you can play six great minutes of basketball, you can win this series three games. You can be up three games to zero in this series, and we'll forget about the other terrible 42 minutes of basketball that you played. And then what do they do right away? You get a missed three by Daniel Tice. Kemba with a bad turnover. Tatum barely hit the rim on a floater. And then Jalen, luckily, because this is when the game kind of turned around a bit. Jalen luckily kicked out his feet and got three free throws on on that very iffy call on Al Horford. There were some calls in that game, you know, you could be like, that was bullshit. Okay, I I can see it. I get it. But Jalen Brown should have been called for an offensive foul at the top of the key at that three-pointer where Al Horford fouled him. He kicked out his feet, and you're not supposed to do that. 
That's one of the new rules in the NBA over the last few years. You're not supposed to do that, and he did it. And Al Horford had every right to be chirping the entire time Jalen Brown took those three three throws. And the other thing is, when Jalen Brown did that, the Celtics were only up one at the time, or he cut the lead down from four to one. And the Boston Celtics have to be very lucky that Al Horford didn't hit that corner three because if Al Horford hit that corner three, the 76ers wouldn't have been up four. And because he did that, the Celtics had a four-on-one fast break and they couldn't convert. How do you not convert on a four-on-one fast break? With Joel Embiid being being the one. Joel Embiid actually hustled back and you still can't figure it out? Why? 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 I don't understand that. I do not understand why the Boston Celtics are the worst fast break team in the history of the NBA. It's it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. So at that point, there's three minutes left to go in the game, and Daniel Tice fouled out because Daniel Tice got some two tough calls against him. I think the, the fifth was legit. The sixth one, not so much. Brad challenged. Uh, I'm sorry. Brad challenged the fifth one with the elbow in the back. Technically, it was a foul. They're not going to change that call off a challenge. I get it. We move on. But with three minutes to go, Daniel Tice checks out because he fouls up. And his canter came in. And I almost pooped my pants because I was so nervous because I was like, oh, my God, we're going to lose. Because the 76ers are going to run 82.3 million pick and rolls against Dennis Cantor. And they're going to score every single time. But Marcus Smart gets a steal. And it leads to a Jalen Brown and one. So you're like, okay, this is good. Then... Down in the key, Cantor played some phenomenal defense on Embiid, made him fall away. Tatum got the block, which was unbelievable, got the ball, and there was a clear path foul on Josh Richardson. Now, Josh Richardson is a good defender, but that was a stupid play. Just let Tatum go in for the layup because clear path foul. He gets two free throws. Then the Celtics get the ball back. <laughs> so when the Celtics get the ball back, Kemba Walker, Hit this step back jumper on Al Horford. He put him on skates. And Al Horford looked like Luis Mendoza in D2 Mighty Ducks. He could not stop. He kept sliding and sliding. Those skates just wouldn't stop because Al Horford went far, far. He went to Iceland. Like, if you didn't get that D2 reference right there, shame on you. But Luis Mendoza was Al Horford in that moment because he... Thought he was good defensively, and then he just, he didn't know how to stop. And that cardiac Kemba step back was absolutely unbelievable. Oh my God, that was delicious. I would say some things about what it did to my body, but I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. But that was fantastic. The Celtics finished the game on a 10-0 run. And shout out to Brad Wanamaker too. Because for those of you that have followed Kemba through his career when he was at UConn, the Big East tournament where Kemba hit that step back at the free throw line uh, against Pittsburgh, I think they won the Big East Tournament doing that, or they moved on to the next round of the Big East Tournament. Guess who that was against? Brad Wanamaker. Brad Wanamaker, after the game, tweeted, glad that wasn't against me this time. But yeah, Al Horford on skates, flying defensively, and then wee, and just couldn't stop. He couldn't stop. And Cardiac Kemba, unbelievable. Kemba was superb in this game. But I need more from him. I want one of those 40-point games from Kemba where he doesn't miss. But this was a huge step and a huge improvement for Kemba Walker, I think, overall in this series. And in the bubble overall. He really looks healthy. I don't want to jinx it. So some of the things that I mentioned in the last episode, fast break points. The Celtics won them again. 
by 14. This time, 22 to 8. Last game, it was 15 to 1. So huge improvement. But this time was the first time that they lost the rebounding battle by double digits. The Celtics also only had three offensive rebounds to the Philadelphia 76ers 20. That is like, that literally makes me want to throw up. You lose by 12, and then the offensive rebound battle, you lose by 17. But the good thing about this is the 76ers shot the ball so poorly. They shot 29.5% from the field. Terrible. Terrible. That is the best defense, technically, that the Celtics have played all year if you were going to base it on shooting percentage. That is the worst they've held the team all season long. Regular season and playoffs. So, Boston Celtics are up 3-1. What do they got to do for the sweep? Because to be honest with you, I don't want to watch the Celtics play basketball on Tuesday. I don't think you do either. Get some rest because I'm pretty sure Marcus Smart has 78 million bruises all over his body because he got the crap kicked out of him in that game. And it's all because he was making winning plays. So, that's number one. Number two, why I want them to sweep is because... I need some rest on Kemba's knee, and I think Jalen's thigh contusion is still bothering him a bit. But if you can get these guys some rest, I think this will be really, really good. All right, so what do they got to do? Right off the bat, let's continue talking about rebounding. Three offensive rebounds is a joke. Giving up 20 cannot happen. Celtics have to come out and be as physical as Philadelphia was in Game 3. The 76ers came out, and they were physical. They wanted to battle on the boards, and then showed, and they won it. So be physical. This is one of those games where if you win, the the interesting part, like this is the part of the bubble that I, I don't know what's going to happen. And maybe I should have done more research, so I'll raise my hand and say that's on me. But if the bubble games for round two, if the Celtics do move on, don't start until the West is over then the Celtics might have like a week off. So why not just go balls to the wall? Because the Raptors are up 3-0. The Heat, if they win today, are going to be up 3-0. If the Bucks win today, they're going to be up 2-1. So you figure by Monday, three out of the four Eastern Conference series are going to be done. So are you going to say, oh, hey, let's start the Toronto Celtics series now. And if they finish before any of the round two things finish, then they get a whole bunch of rest before the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't know if they'll do that, but I can also say to myself, wait, maybe they will because that'll be interesting. It'll be absolutely interesting. Okay. So when it comes to rebounding, after you rebound, you have to run. I mentioned that a lot in episode 81 going into game three. I said, you rebound, you run. And then Brian Scalabrini in start of the fourth quarter during their little home stretch thing, he said, rebound and run. And that's what the Celtics have to do. The Celtics, again, fast break points, 22 to eight. If you be more physical and you out-hustle them, you will sweep them. Because the mindset of the Philadelphia 76ers is this. We're in a bubble. It's not the best living situation in the world. They probably miss their families. Do they just want to go home? Like, how much effort are they going to bring? Or do they want to shock the world? I don't think the 76ers are the type that are going to want to shock the world. But I can also see the Celtics maybe going, yeah, they don't care, so we're not going to care. So be more physical and out-hustle them. The other thing you have to do is stop complaining. Don't complain about the refs. Complain that you didn't sweep them if you lose. Don't worry about the refs. Just literally go in there and win and sweep and get some rest. And then 
the ball, the offense has to be better. The offense for the Celtics game three was poop, shit, caca, like diarrhea. It was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. 15 assists total in a game isn't going to cut it. It's not going to cut it at all. The ball movement has to be better. Enough of the ISO stuff. The ball has to be zipping around. Guys have to cut. People have to stop standing there and just watch. That's what they were doing last night, and that has to stop. I want 25, 26, 27 assists a game. That is Boston Celtics basketball. That is what's going to make them win. You're also going to need good games from Jalen, Jason, and Kemba. Got to get them confident. I like If the three of them can each score 20 points in game four and get them confidence going into round two, if they do win this game, that is what I need. Because Tatum, sure, he, he got his. He ended up having, you know, if you look at the box score, you'd be like, oh, Jason Tatum actually had a, you know, pretty good game. But he didn't when you actually watch the game. So I need those three to score well. And then finally, don't let the 76ers bench get you back into the game because there were a couple times in game three, and you could say even in game one, that the 76ers bench, once Joel Embiid went off the floor, the 76ers actually played like you you could argue better. So don't let the 76ers bench Get them back into this ballgame. If you have a 10-point lead and Embiid goes out because of, you know, he's a little tired, make it 20. Make it happen. All right? So that's it for episode 82 of the Banner Banter Podcast. There will be an episode out on Monday, the usual episode out on Monday. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, there'll be sudden dud of the week, canter banter, the whole shebang. So thanks so much for listening. I'm hopefully trying to make this 29 and a half minutes because the Philadelphia 76ers shot 29 and a half percent. So thank you so much for listening. We'll talk soon. Be safe. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Black lives matter. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.